We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. To the Rotowire NBA podcast presented by FanDuel. It is Tuesday, October 24th. Nick Whalen here with Alex Barutha. Um, we have a couple a couple things we need to get to right away. First of all, a lot of quality NBA birthdays today. RJ Hunter, uh, who is he on a roster right now? I don't think so. I think he's I in the G League. I know that he is, yeah. He seemed like that was kind of the, the case as soon as he got drafted. Jalen Brown's birthday is today. Uh, former dunk contest champion, Jeremy Evans, definitely uh, participant. Yeah, was that the one where the guy painted a picture of him or something? I think he didn't he paint the photo. Did he paint, or paint the picture? Yeah, and then jumped over it. <laughs> uh, Peyton Siva, Louisville legend, uh, very forgettable NBA player, and the real king of the day, Nikola Vucevic. Um, so this happened. What was this last week? Thursday, Friday, when Vucevic went for forty-one. I think so. It was two games ago. They played, right. they played Cleveland after that game. He, I mean, he played well again. Blew out Cleveland. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Vucevic, so he went six of eight from three against the Nets. And, I mean, at the beginning of the year, Frank Vogel said, hey, we're going to have this guy shoot more threes. He made or he shot one per game last year. He came out and said we want him to shoot more than one per game. 
And so against the Nets, which I'm not saying that's particularly impressive to give up 120 points a game, but he went six of eight from three. Um, I don't, I don't know. I think he's a really good player. I'm not sure I wouldn't qualify this as a breakout year or anything like that, but the three ball is interesting for him for sure. It's a breakout first three games, yeah. I think, right? I mean, like <laughs> seeing it as you're combing through box scores, this game was on a Friday night. So okay. it's like I was not, you know, apologies to both teams involved. I was not glued to my TV watching Magic at Nets oh, man. on Friday night. I know that sounds very odd, but looking at, you know, before bed, seeing 41 and 12 from Nikola Vucevic was just not something that I'd ever seen before. No. And, you know, not that we didn't think he was capable of it. I mean, this is a guy who's, you know, shoots a lot and has scored, you know, 30 plus points a ton of times, but 17 of 22 from the field, like you said, six three pointers. Um, this is a rare case, I think, and we'll see if it's sustainable, I guess, beyond the first three games. But every year, there's, and it's especially big guys, are going to start shooting more threes this year. Dwight Howard, I think himself declared back in June that he was going to start shooting right. more threes. He is yet to attempt a three-pointer. <laughs> I assume he hasn't even attempted a jumper yet. Uh, but, I mean, if, if this is a new dimension to Vucevic's game, uh, it's certainly going to be a welcomed one because outside of Evan Fournier and, and Terrence Ross, who who are both somewhat up and down, this is a Magic team that could certainly use the three-point shooting. Yeah, they really could. And Aaron Gorgon is I, – I feel like Aaron Gorgon has good shooting form. He's just not a great three-point shooter. And, yeah, they needed floor spacing, and Vucevic has already been hitting jump shots from 17, 18 feet his whole career, mm-hmm. and he can score from the post. Um, I mean, he he's the kind of guy they need to maybe lead the team in scoring. Um, and Alfred Payton is certainly isn't going to do it. So Right. No, Payton's been out. Uh, Aaron Gordon's missed the last two games. So it's fairly impressive, I guess, that the Magic are 2-1. and one. That's yeah. a little bit of a surprise to me just because – we're just so used to them, you know, the, the tight, like, you know, against the Nets, they lose that game where Vucevic goes for 41. Like, that's a very typical Orlando Magic loss. But to win at home against the Heat on opening night was impressive. And then to come back shorthanded and, and blow the Cavs out by 21 points in Cleveland uh, on Saturday was, was something to take note of. I think that was more so Cleveland probably not caring and, you know, still using horrific lineups, which we'll get into in a little bit. But, uh, I mean, it, if the Magic can take care of the Nets tonight and start the year three and one, I think that's probably one of the bigger surprises and something that they that they really had to do, um, you know, taking advantage of a, a fairly soft first week here where you get Brooklyn twice. Yeah. Um, and Vucevic is going to be playing the Nets again today on right. his birthday. But no, I mean, I think it's good to be shooting threes because they have so many good wing athletes that can mm-hmm. cut to the basket. I mean, if you open up space to the rim for Aaron Gordon, Terrence Ross, Jonathan Simmons. Um, there's a lot of good cutting lanes. All those guys can dunk on people. So that's probably just a good development for the team overall. I, I cannot believe we just spent four minutes to start a podcast on the Orlando Magic. I don't think that's ever happened on this <laughs> podcast. Um, Andre Drummond. All of a sudden, a decent free throw shooter. Uh, again, way too early in the year to really take anything away. Uh, but he's shooting over 80% since the start of the preseason. This is someone who's a 38% shooter career-wise. Um, the Detroit has tried everything, virtual reality, hip, hypnosis, most likely, <laughs> you know, mechanical changes, position, you know, putting them at different places on the line, everything you could possibly do. Nothing has worked, but, um, I mean, he has a new shooting motion and, and for once Stan Van Gundy seems encouraged. He does. Uh, when asked about it, he just said, this changes everything, which I mean, if you kind of does, it kind of does. If he can shoot, you know, 
um, well because he's like you said he's 38 percent for his career so if he can at least stay around basically over 50 um, to the point where teams just won't hack him every time he touches it in the lane that's a big help for the Pistons and yeah like you said he changed his free throw shooting motion it's it's kind of odd like he brings the ball way out in front of him he kind of leans over and dribbles the ball basically halfway into the into the paint because his arms are so long and he just slowly brings it up and and shoots it I don't know if it's sustainable but 80 percent since the preseason is pretty good yeah yeah and, and that's the thing you know he's he's only missed two I think through the Pistons first four games of the regular season but when you do extend it back into the preseason it's not the greatest sample size still but it's at least a little bit more to work with than you know, like you and I were talking earlier today, he doesn't have to be an 80% shooter or a 90% shooter or even a 70% shooter. Like if Andre Drummond can just become a 60% free throw shooter, which is such an absurdly low bar to clear. I mean, that's, you're you're talking about almost doubling his career percentage. And, um, you know, for a team that I think a couple of years ago looked like they had one of the really, really nice young assets in the league and, you know, his free throw shooting really kind of worked against him and, and diminished his value for that to be trending back in the other way is, is certainly encouraging for the Detroit Pistons. Yeah, that's huge because I was pretty low on Drummond to start the year. We did that, I think, preseason roundtable. Right. And we kind of talked about top 50 players that, that we were high and low on. And I was pretty low on Drummond just because I didn't think he had shown that much improvement. His free throw was so bad. But at this point, if he can keep shooting well from the free throw line, I mean, that, like Stan Van Gundy right. said, this changes everything, even for fantasy too, which – because that's mm-hmm. that's why he goes so low in drafts is because he can't shoot free throws. But if that changes, then he's I don't know I don't know where to put him right now because we're so early. But that's it's just impressive. Okay, let's talk rookies real quickly. Um, so since the last time we spoke, Lonzo Ball has played one pretty bad game, one sort of okay game, and one pretty good game, uh, which of course came against the Suns, who have been an absolute punching bag for everyone who has played them <laughs> except for the Kings last night. Uh, we'll get into the Suns in a little bit, but I mean, have you been impressed? Have you been a little bit, you know, underwhelmed? Is this about what you expected so far from Lonzo? I think this is about what I expected just because, I mean, that first game he got bullied by Patrick Beverly the entire game, and I don't expect anyone to have a good game against Patrick Beverly. And then he just took it to the Suns, who obviously are trending to be like the worst team in the league at this point. Um, but I mean, you know, what I'm actually sitting down and watching him, it's, it's about what I expect. He's, he's a good passer. He makes good rebounds. Um, the shooting form is still weird, but he seems to be able to, to defenders. I don't know. He, it's so quick that I'm not sure it'll really be a problem as far as defenders blocking it or getting in his mm-hmm. face or anything like that. Yeah. He, I mean, it's not Curry quick or anything like no. that, but considering all that's going on mechanically with the shot, it's not. It's not as bad as as people made it out to be, you know. I think when you, if you're watching a video of it and you pause it at the top when his right arm is all the way across his body, like yeah, it looks bad. But when you see it in process, it's it's really not terrible. And, and results wise, it was fine at UCLA. Um, but I'm with you. I think this is about exactly what I would have expected so far, and what we had talked about in the preseason. You know, decent scoring. I think he's averaging about 13 a game right now. Really, really good rebounding for a point guard. He's just under nine rebounds per game. Extremely good assist numbers for a rookie point guard, just under 10 per game. A lot of turnovers. I think he has nine turnovers over his last two games alone. Um, poor percentages. You know, he's sub 20% from three, sub 40% from the field. But, I mean, that's that's just the life of a rookie point guard on a bad team, you know, in, in games where he's being asked to do a lot. 
But in the Phoenix game, I mean, that's the that's the Lonzo Ball that I think I think people who didn't maybe watch a ton of Lonzo Ball or didn't maybe even more so didn't watch a ton of the Lakers were expecting where he took 27 shots, yeah. he hit a couple of threes, he was getting to the hole at will, handing out double-digit assists. And as impressive as that game was, I mean, you watch what the Suns were doing defensively. Um, it certainly didn't come as much of a surprise that three days later their coach is fired. Yeah, I mean, they were just – there was like five players standing in There's the lane. There's no effort whatsoever. Zero effort. Yeah, um, and that's not necessarily to take anything away from Lonzo, but no, you, there's one team in the league you can have that game against, and it was the Suns. We can. I, I I would just like to assume that the Clippers and Phoenix games average out. You know, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of what we saw. You know, in their in their last game against the Pelicans, where he struggled from the field, had a couple nice moments, still got to 13 assists, still rebounded well. I, I think the rebounding is something that I don't. I just don't understand. <laughs> no one really does i guess like how exactly to project this type of stuff because no. i mean Lonzo's has good size for a point guard he's six four six five but i mean he's skinny and he's not he's not bullying anyone for these rebounds he just has an uncanny ability uh maybe similar in the way to, to steph curry who in terms of build and you know kind of the way he operates is, is somewhat similar to a young lonzo he's a really good rebounder for a guard um and, and yeah i mean lonzo i think is going to continue to be a six plus rebound per game player as long as he's healthy yeah, and I mean, Lonzo's the type of point guard you want having the ball as soon as possible exactly. um, because he's so good in transition. I think that's where his strength is. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's it's good that he's good at it, and maybe the team is making some efforts to make sure he gets the rebounds just as far yeah. as boxing out. But, yeah, either way, it, it is impressive mm-hmm. considering his build. Yeah, I mean, did you watch the, the supercut of all of his assists by chance from the Pelicans game? No, I think I missed so that. So he's credited with 13. And oh, is it the home game where he got maybe yeah, too many? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I think it was probably closer to like eight. And I mean, usually I'm pro just be generous with the assists, you know, yeah. but some of these were just egregious. I mean, it was, you know, pick and roll, kick it to the wing. The guy does a couple jab steps, you know, drives to the hoop and finishes completely on his own <laughs> assist. I mean, it was, it was borderline ridiculous. And I think that's honestly something I think Chris Towers from CBS Sports. Uh, one of our colleagues mentioned, like, if you're if you're really trying to evaluate Lonzo Ball's fantasy value, like, he does get a bump at home because he's probably going to get, you know, one, two, maybe even three more assists every game like that. Yeah, that's probably something to note for daily. You right. play daily fantasy, just play him at home. Exactly, you know? exactly. Um, other rookies. Markel Fultz, other end of the spectrum. Uh, I think nobody's really panicking on Fultz because, one, Embiid has been awesome and two, to an even greater degree, Ben Simmons has been incredible. Yeah. So all of a sudden, Fultz being the greatest player in this draft doesn't seem quite as important as it did a couple weeks ago because Ben Simmons already looks like he's going to be the real deal. 21, 12, and 10 for him last night as the Sixers picked up their first win over Detroit. But like I've watched the Sixers a few times this year. They they were on ESPN against Boston last week. Um, you know, obviously league pass last night. Like it's not. I don't know what to make of this full situation. Like it's not like he's going out and shooting over 10 from the field and turning it over six times. Like he's just not, he's just not doing the things that we saw so often and, and expected, you know, coming out of Washington, one of four shooting 16 minutes off the bench last night. Clearly the shoulder's still not right. The free throw shooting is atrocious and he hasn't even attempted a three on the year. Yeah. I mean, you, you would think he would, I mean, they kind of drafted him, hoping he would be just like a deep threat, right? Like he just shoots from three. Well, that was the big benefit of like, you know, when when the Sixers had the third pick, it was like, oh, they could take De'Aaron Fox, but it's like, well, he can't play off ball. Fultz can play off ball. Like, Markel Fultz cannot play off the ball in the condition that he's in right now. 
No, he's just making. Yeah, I've seen I've seen some of them play. He's just kind of like making cuts to the basket. It's just like layups. I right. Don't... He's been fine. That's what's encouraging, I guess, is like when he gets into the into the lane, he's finished well. He's rebounded well. I mean, he had three assists in 16 minutes last night. It, he, it's not like he's been a complete train wreck, but it's just not. It, it's 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 just very odd, I guess. It's more mystifying than it is disappointing. I have to think the shoulder is like pretty bad. See, I you would think, but. If there's any medical team that would be cautious with players after everything they've been yeah. through with Embiid, everything they've been through with Okafor, Simmons, like there's no way that they're just letting him play through anything serious, right? I, I mean, maybe it's just I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's not serious, but it's enough where it's just like he has to do like some constant therapy and it doesn't always work. Right. I don't know. I don't know if they've done an MRI or anything. I would think you would do that sort of a thing at this point because he's clearly just not playing right. like himself. When he even said it, too. I mean, there, how much of a precedent is there for a player who's valued this much as an asset to say, my shoulder hurts to the point where I can't shoot the ball normally? And then there's no talk whatsoever of, is he going to rest? Is he going to be on a restriction? Is he going to get an MRI? Like, all those quotes came out and nothing became of it. No, they're just bringing him off the bench, playing him 20 minutes. And it's bizarre. It's just it's just been underwhelming. Yeah, yeah and it's and it's totally fine because <laughs> Embiid and Simmons are, <laughs> are so incredible. damn good. Um Embiid last night seven turnovers, which is you just kind of have to take that because he's just he's when he, when he's on the court he's just, everything runs through him and yeah. you're fine with it because it's Joel Embiid. But uh, per 36 wise, I looked at his numbers today, virtually identical uh, as a scorer, efficiency wise to last season. Rebounding is actually up like four rebounds per 36. Block shots are down. Um, that's maybe if you really want to nitpick with Embiid the the assists haven't been there quite as much this year he didn't have any assists in 28 minutes last night didn't have a block either um but I think part of that too is just playing with Ben Simmons you know a guy who's going to be an assist assist volume monster really the rest of the year Embiid's not going to have the ball in his hands to play make I think quite as much it's going to be more when I have the ball I'm scoring Mm -hmm. uh not really trying to operate everything like he was for much of last year yeah I mean you you don't even necessarily want or need him to pass. No. I mean, he's so – you get him in the post or basically any sort of isolation situation, <laughs> and there's – I don't I don't think there's anyone who can really guard him. If, if I don't think he thinks it. there's anyone who can guard him. I don't him. think so either. He I think he – did he call out Andre Drummond? And Whiteside. And Whiteside, yes. um, which I don't know if you should be calling out a player when you commit seven turnovers for not, like, playing good defense or anything, but um, – yeah, I mean, Embiid looks incredible once again. He's playing. I mean, he's played some bigger minutes than I thought he would. Played twenty eight yeah. minutes. Um, he didn't play on a back to back, but um, played twenty eight minutes in the team's past two games. Twenty seven in the opener. Um, and I mean, I guess the only knock on his game, other than maybe the turnovers, is he's been like ice cold from three. Um, he's sitting at nine percent right now. Um, he's one of uh, twelve. 11 one of 11 from three you got to think that'll come around right yeah you would assume so because he shot so well last year from three it's, right it's not like he's yeah. not gonna stop taking them either no he's not he's not gonna stop taking them. he he loves the three the fans love the three mm-hmm. it's just really it, it's great to i mean he's incredible i don't i don't know what else to say about that but let's take a quick break so i can tell the listeners about seat geek buying tickets can be complicated and confusing but there is a better way to buy and that is with seat geek SeatGeek is the smartest and easiest way to get tickets to every game all season long. Whether you're planning a day out with friends, searching for a last-minute deal, 
or buying a gift for a loved one, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. Nothing beats being there in person for the biggest plays of the year, and SeatGeek will help you get closer to the action for a great value. SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And to get you the most bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. And it doesn't end with sports. SeatGeek also has plenty of concert, comedy, and theater tickets available as well. Best of all, new users get $20 off of their first purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app, enter the promo code ROTONBA. Again, that promo code is ROTO, R-O-T-O-N-B-A. That'll get you $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. See it live with SeatGeek, right seat, right now, right from your phone. So I think we're legally contractually obligated to mention Giannis. I don't want to spend too much time on this because every podcast that's come out in the last like four days has has spent a good 20 to 30 minutes on this it seems but Giannis has been as expected uh better than expected I I guess I would say through four games um you know one of the big steps I always think for for guys when they really take that next step to becoming a super superstar is you just don't have like really bad games anymore. And that was something that Giannis mostly phased out last year. But every now and then there would be a game where he would just have 11 points, eight rebounds, two assists, you know, usually due to foul trouble or just the jumper wasn't on, things like that. And when you start eliminating those games and, you know, your 28.10 rebound games become your bad games, that's that seems like where we're going right now with Giannis. And, and of course, it's a small sample size, only four games. Um, but he's, he's averaging like 37 11 and five uh and that's before you even get into the you know two and a half steals and a block a game i mean he's just been all over the place for the bucks on both ends and i was a little bit worried that they didn't really do anything to improve around him and i think their strategy of Giannis is just good enough to mask all that seems to be paying dividends so far yeah i mean it's not like they've been playing bad teams either uh, they play Boston without Gorgon Hayward. So, you know, depending on what you think about that. But then they play Cleveland and Portland. Mm-hmm. Um, he put up a combined 78 against those two. Um, and then he just dropped 32, 14, and 6 on the Hornets. Um, he's taking basically 22 shots a game. Um, no one can stop him in the lane whatsoever. It's like you said, we don't have to, we obviously don't have to spend a ton of time on it because it kind of speaks for itself. But he's he is really putting in his bid for mvp at this point yeah i think i mean it's pretty obvious if you pulled uh nba twitter voters it would be unanimous (laughs) right now like everybody's ready to hand it to him and i mean numbers wise he's not going to average 37 points a game but it's pretty conceivable to think he could average around 30 11 and 6 and that in most years should get you the mvp and the way that the bucks i mean the bucks are three and one as long as i think they're a top five team in the east he's going to have a pretty strong case um then the other thing about this too is he's he's only made one three and he's only yeah. attempted like four or five and the conversation and, and i tweeted something similar to this so sorry to recycle if you've already read that but every year it's just wait until he gets a jump shot then what's he gonna be it's like are we at what point do we just say like maybe he's not gonna develop a jumper because he hasn't like it's it looks just like it did three years ago where he'll catch it on the perimeter you can tell he's thinking about shooting it and then he very rarely actually pulls the trigger and like you said, he's still able to get into the lane with those long strides, def- despite defenders playing five, six feet off of him. If anyone ever has to respect him on the perimeter, it's over. Yeah. I mean, I the the way he plays and like his length and everything, it just allows him to wait until the defense commits to something. Like he just drives 
and then he waits to see what the defender is going to do and then he either spins or he euro steps mm-hmm. or he just posts up and you know that's another thing too we can just post up guards of teams we try to switch it mm-hmm. um yeah i don't I mean, his ability to change speeds too is something yeah, that's i think somebody wrote about that with harden last year you know right. how he's very elite at slowing down which is such a kind of an odd concept to be elite <laughs> at but Giannis with those big steps is able like you said to make decisions on the fly where you yeah. can he can draw a defender in the air and his it takes him so long to take that next step that you know he can kind of decide all right do I just want to go up with this and draw the foul do I want to kick it out um and it doesn't look the same as Harden because no. his legs are about two feet longer uh but it's the same kind of concept I think where he's he's become incredibly good at drawing contact he's, he's averaging 10 free throw attempts per game yeah which is incredible uh all right the Phoenix Suns as we mentioned, they they were pretty bad through the first couple of games. Actually picked up a win uh, last night against Sacramento. The consummate, you know, post-coach firing rally together win over yeah. a really bad Kings team. But prior to that, they looked like the worst team in the NBA. They're still going to be in that conversation. Uh, and if what their GM, Ryan McDonough, said yesterday holds true, uh, Eric Bledsoe is very soon not going to be a member of this team. And, you know, they, by by virtue, probably get even younger. And right. once again, just restart the same process that we've seen for the last five years. Yeah, and that's kind of disappointing. But at the same time, they, they have some nice young pieces right now. I mean, it's nothing it's nothing overwhelming, but I, I like Marquise Chris. I like Devin Booker. It's hard not to. Mm-hmm. Um, Alex Len, that's kind of up in the air. But yeah. it it's really it's tough to think about who they could trade Bledsoe to. Um, a lot of guys aren't eligible to be traded until December. Right. And um, and it feels like they want to do this now. They don't. They, oh, they they do. don't want to wait till that deadline. Uh, I mean, for all we know, even if they do wait, Bledsoe's not going to be around the team. He's not. And that's going to be at practice. He's not going to be at games. That would hurt his value even more. Exactly. So. Well, yeah, I mean, Maybe. it depends, I guess. You know, there's some argument that, you know, he would come in fresh, I guess. But, you know, you have to stay in shape at the same time. So what are the destinations? I mean, the obvious ones seem Denver, Milwaukee, the Knicks apparently just threw their name into the hat. And then, like, once people found out, like, what the Suns wanted, it's becoming pretty clear that the Knicks aren't going to give up Porzingis and they're not going to give up Tilakina. So it's going to be pretty tough to get any sort of deal done there. Um, I guess which do you out of Milwaukee and Denver? If we're to, if we're to say that those are the two favorites, which one makes the most sense? Um, I that's tough. I I think man, I I can't really pick between those two. I know that's such a that's I'm walking the fence there. Right. But Denver has a point guard issue where they can't figure out who they want to start still um Moutier and Jamal Murray neither of them are playing that well they're playing 20 minutes a game and if you could just basically trade both of them maybe uh for Eric Bledsoe you'd kind of solve that problem and he also brings a good defensive presence to the team which they were trying to do when they signed Paul Millsap um and he's plenty athletic enough and he's not like a pure point guard or anything so I I think that would be a good destination and as far as Milwaukee goes they just they're really weak at the point guard spot. Like Malcolm Brogdon is great um, and or a great fit for the team, right. in my opinion. Um, and I don't know if they would have to trade him to get, you know, Bledsoe, if they would have to think about trading Jabari, Thon Maker, that sort of a thing. See, that's, that's where it gets interesting. You know, I can ask you, like, what makes the most sense, but it really depends what you're giving up. Like, it makes a lot of sense to trade him to Milwaukee if you're trading him straight up for Delvadova, for example. Right. But... <laughs> 
I mean, I think conceivably, if you're really trying to formulate deals that would appeal to both sides, like, I mean, if you're Milwaukee, could you do like Henson and DJ Wilson in a future protected pick? In that case, I think I would do it. I don't necessarily think the Bucks are rushing to get rid of Malcolm Brogdon by any means. I, I think they'd be very reluctant to include Brogdon, yeah. and rightfully so. Uh, and the same probably goes for Thon Maker. You know, Bledsoe has essentially two years, counting this year, left on his deal. Uh, he's going to be 28 next year. I was I was thinking about his age because his age probably makes more <coughs> sense to put with Denver to some right. extent, who just went in on Paul Millsap exactly. who's around that age. And I mean, Bledsoe will still be good when he's 30, and Giannis is already good enough. You know, mm-hmm. you say you don't want to waste Giannis's prime, but what so what, what is Giannis's for? prime? What are we yeah. waiting for? Middleton is there. He's he's you're not waiting. Old. And right now, I feel like Jabari is too much of an unknown that you can't say like, all right, two years from now, you can't plan on Jabari Parker being what you thought he would be two years ago you know down the road so it, they're in a tough spot like they're the bucks are in win now mode because Giannis is so good by default they really don't have another choice you know yep. like, as long as Giannis is healthy they're going to be good enough that they're not going to be a lottery team so at that point I feel like you might as well go for it but is Eric Bledsoe enough to really quote unquote go for it that's you know that's another question that is an interesting question. I don't know. The East, I mean, the East is pretty vulnerable right now. Right. And it could be equally as vulnerable next year, depending on the LeBron mm-hmm. situation. But Gorgon Hayward is not in the picture this year. Um, the Wizards still have a bad bench. Right. Kyle Lowry hasn't looked great for Toronto. It's like That's the thing. is like if, if you're the Bucks and you could talk yourself into Bledsoe making you the second or third best team in the conference in a city that hasn't like hosted like a legitimate feel good about it playoff series in like 15 years yeah i don't know there's an argument denver though would i think denver makes the most sense for both sides because you don't necessarily need a true point guard no. in denver because you have two big men especially Jokic, who are such good passers that you don't like a ricky rubio type would be terrible for that team whereas bledsoe is like you said the perfect kind of he can swing both guards he can shoot a little bit he can pass if needed he rebounds well he's a great defender and that's a team that i think even though Jokic is still so young, like when you have Paul Millsap on a two-year deal, essentially, I think he can opt in, or it's a team option for the third. I think so, yeah. Um, and he'll be like 35 at that point. I think you're kind of your two-year window, maybe not to win a title, if we're being realistic, but your two-year window to, to maybe make a run in the West, try Conference to get to the finals. Western Finals, sure, is now. And I think Bledsoe would be a massive, massive instant upgrade over Murray and or Moody. I mean, Murray's been horrible yep. so far. I'm not ready to give up on him, but I don't know that you can – if the Nuggets think they can be the five seed this year, which I think is somewhat realistic, you can't. Jamal Murray just can't play like this and be your starting point guard. Would you trade Murray and Moutier for Bledsoe? I mean, it doesn't have to be both. I would. I would think money wise, I don't know because you'd, oh, you'd have yeah, to throw in something true. else too. I don't like know. Darrell Arthur and those two. I'd, I think I would. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I don't like Moutier very much. I think Bledsoe is like a better version of Moutier in some ways. Um. And Murray, I like Murray's the one I'd be hesitant to get rid of. Right. But they seem to like Will Barton almost more than I think he's <coughs> second on the team in scoring, if I'm not wrong. Second or third on the team in scoring because Jokic hasn't really found right. the shot yet or anything like that. He's been rebounding and passing and playing subpar defense. Mm-hmm. But well, with Barton, I mean Barton expires after this year. He's he was on one of the best deals. He was like a three for ten contract oh, these last three years. He was on the, arguably the best contract in the league on like dollar per dollar so yeah i mean phoenix i don't know if that's all that appealing you know barton if you're going to trade him you'd probably think a team would want him as like a half year rental right um 
I don't know. So his contract kind of kind of messes that up a little bit. But it'll be interesting. I mean, I think they have to get this done. You would think in their mind by the end of the week. We'll see if that actually happens. Um, yeah, and I do feel like this is one of those things where the player – there's all these teams rumored that he's going to go, and then all of a sudden something comes out of nowhere and he goes right, somewhere like no one OKC. expects. OKC. Yeah. yeah. No, that's true. Um, this does kind of feel like the mellow situation. Obviously, yep. the mellow thing was like a three-year process, but it was like the, it was always the same teams with mellow that would come up and then – and one day out of nowhere it was all just and paul okay, george too right no exactly yeah. well that's the, that's the other thing too that that clouds this whole thing when you're trying to make these fake trades like in our mind i think it makes sense to say like gosh would they have to give up brogdon would, would they ask for middleton look what every all these other guys got traded for like if you're if you're the milwaukee bucks and the suns call you and say we're not doing it unless you give us brogdon and thon maker you say okay well this is what DeMarcus Cousins was traded for. This is what Paul George was traded for. This is what Carmelo Anthony was traded for. Given those deals and given that market, we can't give up X to get no, you know, Eric Bledsoe, who's in probably most people's minds inferior to all three of those guys. Right. And you would, yeah, in that situation, I, either maybe Milwaukee or Denver, whatever team, maybe they'd start have to throwing, they just throwing a bunch of picks maybe like a contract dump and picks yeah and that's part of it too when you're when you're a team like i think denver is in some ways in a very similar spot to milwaukee where like you're you're not you're not going to be a bottom feeder anytime soon so you you're pretty comfortable giving up those picks right you know with the expectation that they're going to fall in the 20s um but you know we'll see i I think no matter what it's going to be exciting because eric bledsoe belongs on a team that actually matters and it's going to be fun to see him basically anywhere other than phoenix Uh, as we speak by the way markel fultz has fluid drained from his shoulder today well there we go so yeah he's back (laughs) i think that that should probably do it he'll be back to normal now fantasy basketball fans basketball is back which means FanDuel is back it's fantasy basketball for everyday fans with new contests starting every day. That means no busted seasons. There's something for everyone on FanDuel. Lots of contests to choose from, starting at just $1. Just pick a contest, select your players, and watch your score in real time. Over 2.5 million players have won a cash prize playing on FanDuel. To take full advantage of our special offer for new users, sign up today at fanduel.com rw. That'll get you a free six-month Rotowire subscription with your first deposit, on FanDuel, just visit fanduel.com slash RW, void where prohibited. You want to talk about Julius Randle? Um, a little bit because I Larry Nance looks good. I mean, I even last year, Larry Nance was getting somewhat limited minutes, but he looked really good. Um, good rebounder, good athlete, solid passer, doesn't make a lot of mistakes. And Julius Randle is averaging 18 minutes a game this year, nine points, three rebounds. That's not that good. Kuzma is averaging 25 minutes, 14 points, four rebounds. Larry Nance, 22 minutes, 11.7 rebounds. I'm just kind of worried, like, Randall may not really just – he may not start for the team anymore, like the rest of the season, um, which is odd to me because I always kind of like Julius Randall. I know he's not the ideal, you know, power forward or small forward. But, I, you know, I think he still has high upside. It's just – yeah. He, you start to wonder if like Nance and Kuzma are just better fits for this team. I think I think Randall just doesn't play D and he doesn't play within the confines of the offense. I mean he if he gets a rebound, he is taking that ball up and probably shooting it. And I think you can only do that so many times. Like he was probably overjoyed these last couple of years playing on these bad Lakers teams oh, and sure. just being able to average fifteen and ten. Um but you know, he was someone coming out of school that was like 
you know, if everything breaks right, he could be a Draymond type. He's a little right. undersized, but he's strong. He can pass. He can dribble. And he's looking a hell of a lot more like Terrence Williams than he is Draymond <laughs> Green at this point. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's going to be one of those things where maybe he just doesn't really find him until he's, like, older. Like he right, has to get he is the... still really young, and he, and he broke his leg as, like, that's true. seven minutes into his first NBA game, so there's that, but, he but might, still. Yeah, he might be one of those guys who he might get on, like, a good winning team scenario, just be a really good, like, mm-hmm. guy off the bench. I'm just not really sure. It's just, it's odd to me that, you know, I if you would have asked me a year ago whether Larry Nance or Kyle Kuzma would be essentially better than Julius Randle or be getting more minutes than him i would have wouldn't even know who kyle kuzma was i would i yeah i mean i wouldn't yeah. know who kyle kuzma was i i do feel like randall is destined to, to end up in like a d'angelo russell situation at some point like i i think everything that i've read he views himself as a starter and does not like this current situation and probably doesn't love that you know i mean he was the number seven pick number six pick six or seven yeah. not that long ago and you know when you talk about the young guns with the lakers it's ball it's ingram and it's probably kuzma honestly in terms of his current hype and i think the fact that he's just kind of been pushed to the back as an afterthought as as somebody who was one of the top players in the country coming out of high school who was a you know great great player in college a big big time first round pick um it just seems like he's due for kind of a reboot elsewhere at some point it's funny that you mentioned the d'angelo russell trade because they the lakers still do have to get rid of luol dang so right you never know yeah if they package uh, Luol Dang with Julius Randle together and move them both somewhere. I mean, where would make sense? Um, I mean, the the problem is going to be who has cap room, right? I don't know. Not who has that cap many room. Like, I mean, the Bulls. The I don't Bulls think have, the Bulls are one that I've heard mentioned for Dang. He also get Jaleel Okafor also gets like the Bulls. Yeah. Kinda, oh yeah, Chicago they, guy. Yeah. Yep. They should just trade for them both and just see, right. just have it blow up in their face, but. I mean, what about a team? I mean, I'm just thinking Julius Randle's from Dallas, you know. I mean, the Mavs, if you're talking about a team that, like, take a low-risk chance on somebody like that, just kind of, you know, almost like they did with Nerlens. It's this reclamation project guy. Like, yep. You, I would rather chance it with Julius Randle for the next five years than I would with Dwight Powell. <laughs> Believe it or not. I know that's that. a good point. Well, and if, you know, if you think Harrison Barnes is more of a three, maybe, and you kind of put out that, you know, mm-hmm. Harrison Barnes, Julius Randle, Nerlens lying up. You kind of. I don't of, hate that. No. I don't hate that either. Seth Curry, mm-hmm. Yogi Ferrell, Dennis Smith. Right. I think. That. I mean, Nerlens is the right type of guy to put next to Randle. Um, I think spacing becomes an issue in that scenario, but I. They're both great athletes. Like that would be, <coughs> that would be a really tough team to play against. Right. Trying to get to the rim. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm looking at this Markel Fultz story. Um, he had a shoulder injury and fluid drained out of the back of his shoulder, according to his agent. Uh, he has been unable to shoot the ball. This is also coming from his agent. <laughs> that's in a, that's accurate. So, yeah, his agent went on to say he literally cannot raise up his arms to shoot the basketball. He decided to try and fight through the pain to help the team. He has a great attitude. Wow, that's that's admirable. And then it says league sources indicate that no decision has been made for Folds to miss games. What? Um, it's good to know he was trying to help the team. At yeah, least. I mean, what a gamer! Um, <laughs> I don't know that he was actually helping the team. Well, I mean, in a in a weird, I mean, it's kind of weird that the fact that Markel Fultz may miss time and had to get fluid drained from his shoulder maybe just won't even really affect the 76ers that much. It, no, it won't, right? Because I mean, they have plenty he has of depth. A, no, I mean, not at all. I think I think right now, especially the way that he's been limited, like JJ Redick 
Robert Covington, Dario Saric are infinitely better players. I mean, when when Markel Fultz is healthy, that's probably not the case. But right now, it's really not up for debate. I mean, Jared Bayless has been playing. Jared Bayless has been incredible. He had like six threes the other night. Yeah, I mean, I've, I like Bayless. And coming mm-hmm. into the season, Brett Brown was like, we're going to play Jared Bayless a lot. Yeah. And people, I think people like, sure, kind of... Sure, man. <laughs> yeah, that's one of those things. Like, I'll, I'll believe it when I see right. it. But people, I think, kind of forgot about him last year because he was hurt basically yeah the entire I mean, he year. barely played it all last year yeah he was good yeah. for the bucks he was a 40 percent three-point shooter a couple years ago yep. and he's still relatively young too ever since he lost his hair he, you like think of him as a veteran but he's only what 30 31 is he he's not that old he was a one and done in college oh okay so he came he came in really early he's been playing since 09 so he's got he's 29 29 just turned 29. just he's in the middle of his prime right now he's <laughs> peaking prime jared speak. bayless starting a point guard um okay two last things maybe three we'll see Cavaliers got, like we said, smoked at home by Orlando the other night. Uh, the type of loss that we're kind of used to the Cavs having like three or four times a year when they just don't care and everyone shoots poorly, it seems like, and LeBron yeah. gets frustrated. And that's basically exactly what happened in this game. They return home now to play the Bulls, which you would think would be an easy win. We shall see. But Dwayne Wade, uh, speaking of for the greater good of the team, coming off the bench – I love that the Cavs phrased this as like Dwayne Wade came to Ty Lue and told right. him it was best. Like <laughs> we also forget that two weeks ago Dwayne Wade came to Ty Lue and said, I'm starting at the two. And I think basically they saw how terrible it was and now he's on Ty on Ty on Ty Lue and Ty Lue's move. Um, yes, where they're it like, does. Yeah, Wade with his veteran leadership right, confronted exactly. Ty Lue and demanded he come no. off the bench. I mean, I don't know what other solution there is. He's averaging six points and three assists. He's shooting twenty eight percent from the field. He's shooting better from three than from the field. Yeah, I mean, 30. he's been doing his typical Dwayne Wade stuff of the last few years where he's, he's on his own. Like, he's always on an island on offense. Like, he's a good cutter. I'll give him that. But, you know, you want, when the Cavs offense is really going, it's up and down. It's slinging the ball around. And when you see, like, Dwayne Wade catches it on the wing, there is no ball movement. It's no. pivoting. It's shot faking. It's fading away. And, it's, I mean, he's a, he can be a really, really good six man for this team. Yeah, I mean, he he was um, in training camp. They were having him run point guard with the second yep. unit, which I, which to me makes sense. Right, well, um, especially with Rose hurt right now too. Yeah, with Rose hurt, um, and Rose looked look, Rose's looked solid to me. Yeah, like I think he's about what you'd expect. The one point five assists isn't great. Yeah, I mean that's I think at this point <laughs> he's just abandoned that. He's just become like Monte Ellis. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think when you're playing with LeBron too, it's just different, you know, like Rose is the nominal point guard and you would think that would lead to more than one and a half assists, but like how often is Derek Rose really operating in a position to even get assists? That's true. Not really that often. So no, I've been, I agree. I think Rose has been just fine. If this is what you, if this is what your expectations were, you're probably fine with it. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll see. I think, I think they will be a lot better with, with J.R. Smith at the two. I don't know if you watched the Bucks game against the Cavs last week. I Friday? did. Yeah, Friday. Um, Corver went off right. that game. Well, it's, that's the thing. It was basically a tie game until they put Corver in, and he hit like five threes in seven minutes, and it was 100% LeBron drawing the defense on the weak side, skip pass to Corver. Yeah, I mean, three possessions in a row, they ran the exact same play. Yep. And that's the type of dynamic that J.R. Smith gives you. Not quite that efficient, obviously. No one really shoots it like Corver. Right. But when Dwayne Wade's in the game, that's that's just not a part of the offense. I mean, the thing is, it's, I mean, throughout LeBron's career, the winning strategy has been just surround LeBron James with solid defenders and three-point shooters who make their shots or else. I mean, you know, LeBron is is very, it's visibly Mm -hmm. upset when people can't shoot threes. 
and they put together a starting lineup that can't shoot threes. And so to me, moving you just putting Jared Smith back in the starting lineup just makes the most sense. Right. Um, and you know, Dwayne Wade and coming off the bench, he's good enough. He can run pick and rolls. He can, he's a good enough, like right. ISO player. Um, not as good as he used to be, but he can eat up some, some shot clock when he has to and give a better shot than most of the other mm-hmm. bench players on the team. I mean, I really like a theoretical bench lineup of, you know, Thompson love Crowder, maybe at the three, Corver at the two Wade at the one you know that way you yeah. have you have two guys who can't shoot in Wade and and Thompson but mm-hmm. one of those guys is your energy rebounder one of them is your point guard and then you have the three other shooters to, to operate around so I mean it, it it's elementary really you know I mean it, it made it never made sense for Wade to start it always seemed like it was a pride thing yeah um and I, I mean I'm as someone who who generally roots for LeBron James I'm glad that Dwayne Wade had his come to Jesus moment. Well, you know, I mean, they they have the problem of they have too much depth. And they do. That's too much talented depth. It's not like they yes. just have guys that you know they're just oh we have a lot of these guys who are kind of all you know okay mm-hmm. and we I don't know if we should develop them. It's like no, they have legitimate right. talented players one to what ten on their roster. I mean, you can go one to eleven or twelve even with with the Cavs this year, and lo- and it's different from like the you know the Heat for example go like twelve deep with all these guys, but like half of them were like former D leaguers who were just happy to be in the league. Like with the Cavs, you can't stockpile all these guys who've played 25 minutes a game their whole career and then tell Amon Shumpert, all right, you're just not going to play some nights. Like Derek Rose, you're going to play 11 minutes tonight. I think in theory that sounds good to guys because you know the, the winning maybe uh, makes up for some of that. But, you know, it, it can be difficult, I think, to ask players who have been more than bit pieces for their whole career to to accept lesser roles and just assume it's all going to go smoothly yeah i'm still assuming rose and Dwayne way are going to rest a lot this year i mean we're only we're not that far in at all and so i assume you know like you said guys like shumpert um i think they'll they'll get their minutes but it'll mm-hmm. be mostly on days that they decide to rest right. well there's going to be injuries too i mean rose got hurt yeah. one game into the year rose and wade are <laughs> about a lock to play 60 right. games Okay, last thing. Uh, I, I take it you've seen the Jordan Bell dunk from last night. I have. Are you it was for an or against that? Uh, I'm for it because he got an and one. Okay. I mean, that's you get an and one on a, off the backboard. I don't know that that's yourself. ever been done. That's what I'm saying. Um, no, I mean, normally I'm, I guess I'm against that kind of thing, but I, I mean, I don't know. If you can do – if you can – if you can dunk like that, just do it. It's not like Vince Carter wasn't doing like basically three sixties, you know. Right. Is it just because it's off the backboard? Like, no, that's that's a good point. Like if he had if he had just gotten that breakaway and done a three sixty or done a windmill, somehow that's okay. But the, I think there is like an added element to the backboard, and this was weird too because like the defender was right there. Clearly, he was close <laughs> enough to follow him. Like usually when someone does something like this, you have you know there's no one around no you. One. You kind of see him look around and start their approach. Like this was just a casual. Like it, you didn't know he was throwing it off the backboard until right before he did it. Yep. Um, yeah, I I think it is just because it's off the backboard. That's disrespectful. I'm not sure. I guess. But, and I think it's the Warriors, and it's a rookie. Was you it? Know? Yeah, I guess it feels. I mean, apparently good. Kerr tried to apologize to Carlisle after the game. Carlisle really? just head down, walked right by him. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's not, Which, Kerr's, not Kerr's fault. So no, exactly. And I, I mean, you could see the reaction from the Warriors bench. Like Kevin Durant looked like he just saw a ghost. I mean, those guys were like, "Oh no!" I mean, it's like everyone wants to do that, but I think everyone just knows you shouldn't do it. And then, then you have Jordan Bell. We'll have to, we'll have to find out. If that was the first off the backboard alley to someone to themselves with an and yeah, one. I don't know. I don't think the basketball reference play index 
Not yet. It has, like, has like a box that you can check off the backboard dunks, but we'll, we'll have, have to look soon. into that. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com